0: Welcome to the Future Accords on KTUH University of Hawaii Radio for the cultural and educational enrichment of the students of Hawaii as well as the global community. On this show, we will interview thought leaders to hear about their past, present, and hopes for the future. Join us as we dive into topics around the five Ps of sustainable development, people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnerships. I'm your host, Ari Eisenstadt, and let's explore the future together. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Brent Shulkin, who is a social entrepreneur and environmental activist. He's the founder and CEO of Money Voice, a social enterprise where you can vote with your money. Uh, Brent, thanks so much for being with us today. Pleasure to be here, Ari. So Money Voice has been described as a megaphone for collective intelligence. Can you can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah, well, briefly, it's, a, it's an app for voting with your money. You know, this idea that when we buy things, you want to have that reflect your values and, and you want to send a message to businesses maybe about your the things that you care about uh, and so this is the app uh, that literally lets you do that so every time you buy something you get the chance to uh, make your voice heard to businesses.
0: Amazing, so I want to really dive deep into that and hear your vision for the future but let's start with your, your past and learn more about how you got into this work. Wh- where are you from and what what was your educational background to develop this?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Santa Rosa, California, in the wine country, and really in, as, at Stanford as an undergrad, I started having my activist kind of awakening, where I sort of got interested in solving all the world's problems and, you know, all kinds of issues, and, and I started taking the tour of the traditional methods of activism, and I was doing protests and rallies and boycotts and educational film screenings and, you know, <laughs> sort of everything that you do, And it was cool, but over time, I got a little frustrated with uh, the tactics that we were doing and people doing things, you know, like my friends would say, hey, we're going to go to Chevron and and yell at them. And I was (laughs) like, "Ah, you know, I'm with you, but. uh." (laughs) And so getting really, you know, yearning for a new way to take action that was a little bit more results oriented and a little bit more likely to succeed. And so. That was kind of this formative set of experiences that led me to come up with an idea and develop a new model called Carrot Mob. And this is about 10 years ago that I did this. And so a carrot mob is a new form of activism, which is basically the opposite of a boycott. Now, in a traditional boycott, you get a group of people, you go to a business and you say, hey, here's what we want you to do. You're not doing it. We hate you. You're never (laughs) going to see us again. And in a carrot mob, you take a different approach. You go to the business and you say, hey, here's what we want you to do. You're not doing it. That's cool. You don't have to do it. But just so you know, if you do it, we're all going to show up and we're going to spend money, so much money to reward you for doing it that it's going to become profitable for you to do what we're asking. So it's called Carrot Mob because it's the carrot, not the stick. And you give this positive incentive for businesses. And so 10 years ago, I started, you know, I went to 23 liquor stores in uh, San Francisco and had them all compete for who was willing to be the most environmentally friendly liquor store who would work on their energy efficiency of their lighting and their refrigeration. And most of these businesses were not interested. And they sort of said, like, who are you? Get out of here. But uh, then there was a competition amongst a few, and the winning business got a massive influx of sales. I brought hundreds of people to one liquor store, and we spent nine over nine thousand dollars in a couple hours just buying beer. And this place changed their whole lighting system to be super efficient. So the first carrot mob was this win-win model of activism, and people came, th- you know, hundreds of people to wait in line and shop. And so that started a global movement. And we had a video that sort of spread around the world and I started getting emails. And over the course of the next um, few years, we ended up having hundreds of these campaigns around the world in over 20 countries. Uh, people just getting all kinds of businesses to to make change.
0: That's amazing. And a uh, funny thing for our listeners is that I got to participate and help organize a carrot mob long before I knew you. We just heard about these guys in California who organized this. And we partnered with a, a grocery store. And we said that all the extra sales that happened in that day over uh, over what happened last year, they would invest into a solar hot water heater. And so we did that with a grocery store and a, an ice cream store. And it was really amazing. What was that model like? How did you scale something something like that? Type of activism through capitalism.
1: Yeah, you know it was really tricky because the story spread like wildfire, and everyone wanted to talk about it and write about it and tell their friends about it. And people, when there was a Caremob campaign, they wanted to go and they wanted to participate. But you know, over the course of it was a while, I ended up starting two companies and a nonprofit, all focused on you know different ways to try to scale this. It, it was kind of this like offline thing. This offline event was the typical way to do it. And you kind of t- had a lot of work to set up one of these events and talk to a business. And so it was difficult to scale. And what we found over the years was that we tried a number of different products, technology products to sort of make it easy. And we tried another number, number of different revenue models to sort of support this organization. And nothing quite worked, um, which was quite exasperating at the time but it was weird because everyone loved it no matter what we did people wanted to participate and businesses said oh this is great marketing we love it also and you know really ultimately after after years of working on this we we kind of failed as as an organization and as a business and we had to shut it down there's still a, a sort of movement that now and then there's people who still do care campaigns but we kind of hit a hit a dead end and and i had to spend some time sort of resting and relaxing and reflecting and that's how i sort of came up with this next idea here amazing um,
0: and so what was that process like of brainstorming and developing a new idea that can really scale around this idea of how would you say consumer action into environmental consciousness
1: yeah i mean what i would say is that it was clear that we were onto something big because people were willing to well you know what would compel someone to wait an hour in line to go to a liquor store at a certain time with a bunch of people like there's something special there and and i think that the If I could break it down into the simplest summary, I would say that we learned people want to vote with their money. And when we vote with our money, that means we buy things that reflect our values. We want to feel uh, like our purchase decisions are an expression of our identity. And uh, we want it to matter. We want it to have meaning. We want to feel heard. We want to feel powerful. Uh, And so that is why people love Carrot Mob. And it's you know, voting with your money is as old as trade. This has been going on for thousands and thousands of years when you had a, a, you're a guy who's weaving baskets and you're like, oh, who do I trade my apples to? Which basket weaver? Well, this guy's a jerk. I'm going to give my apples to the other basket weaver. Like trade and commerce has meaning and uh, sort of this emotional sort of values component to it. And so if this is a core piece of human psychology and the core piece of how commerce works that people want to vote with their money, Why isn't there an app for that? And why is the experience of voting with your money today so unfulfilling? Why is it that you can go to the grocery store and maybe you spend an extra dollar for the eco detergent, but no one knows that you did that. No one knows why you made that purchase. The store doesn't know. The grocery, you know, the the manufacturer, they like, well, we don't know. Maybe it's because we're eco or maybe we just had a good Super Bowl ad or maybe it's because we, you know, got some good shelf space placement. And so it's you don't get any positive feedback when you do this stuff. So it's a really bad you know experience today.
0: So walk us through what an experience, what that ideal experience looks like with your current platform.
1: Yeah. So I'll explain what we've built. So the, our new company is called Money Voice and we've built an app. When you sign up, you link a payment card. So a debit or credit card, which imports transaction data showing which business you've spent money at. And for every business that you're verified by this app to have spent money at, you earn one vote and you can vote for what you want that business to do. So, for example, Ari, if you're going, uh, you go to the grocery store and then you check out and maybe you get a notification the next day that said, oh, Ari, you spent $83 at, well, I don't know, we don't want to plug any particular grocery <laughs> store, but, <laughs> but you you get a notification that's like, you've earned one vote. And you think, oh, of course I deserve the right to vote at this grocery store. I just gave you eighty-three dollars. Obviously, I should have a say. I'm a, I'm a customer, verified customer. Uh, you know, this is, this is, and you're verified, right? This isn't Twitter. This isn't Yelp, where anyone on the internet could just lie and give feedback. You're, you're actually, they know you're a customer. And so you open up the app, and on this grocery store's page, you see a list of feedback from other verified customers, just like you. And maybe it says. 5,000 people voted for, please get more shopping carts. 4,000 people voted for, please put up solar panels. Please sell gluten-free pasta. Please put a woman on your board of directors, please. And it could be hundreds of things. Uh, Both sort of the things I would vote for, which is like climate action and sort of do the right thing, but also customer service things and product quality and whatever. And so you get to vote for whichever piece of feedback that you agree with. And if you've been there 10 times, you get 10 votes. And if you don't see something that you you agree with, or you have your own idea, then you can write your own feedback. So maybe you say, hey, you know, you guys should really stop, uh, stop selling candy at the checkout line, or something like that. And you're like, I'm probably the only person who cares about this. Oh, well, I'll just say it. But then the next day, it's like 30 other people voted for you. You're not alone. Like, and you're like, wow, I actually feel really powerful and, and that my voice is being heard. And so in the app, then you you vote for the grocery store. And then you say, OK, what do I want this restaurant to do? What do I want Spotify to do or Verizon to do? And you just kind of go through and use your votes every time you buy something. And then once you've done that, we would go to the business and we say, hey, grocery store, did you know that we've got, let's say, 10,000 verified customers who've given you feedback? Do you want to see it and respond for free. And the grocery store is like, are you kidding me? Like, no one gives us feedback. Like, what? Like, we're a grocery store. No one uses our app. We don't have anyone's, you know, phone number or email address. No one fills out our surveys and on the paper thing by the door. How did you get this feedback? Of course we want to see it. We're starved for, for knowing what our customers want. And then we say, great. And so they can send a little response to people. And we say, great. If you want to uh, see financial insights, about this. Then we have a business where they can pay to understand more about that. So for example, maybe they want to see what their most loyal customers want. Okay, a bunch of people said they want solar panels. Are those people real good customers? Or are they just people who came here once on vacation? That's the sort of thing which is going to make them confident that if they want to invest in something like solar panels, that their customers are really going to become more loyal and, and sort of spend more money to reward them and and so it really gives us the power as customers to provide the data that's going to make businesses actually change.
0: So, so it's completely free for for the customers to use, and and it's a seamless process that it just connects with with their credit card.
1: That's right. Uh, it's totally free, and when you connect your credit card, you don't actually give us your credit card number ever. There's no payment that happens. We don't access your money in any way. All it is is data about where you, spoke, where you spent money. So it's important. It, it's very potentially sensitive data from a privacy perspective, but there's no actual payment or access to your money.
0: And, and how powerful to be able to use that data for good, because that data is being supposedly bought and sold anyway by these marketers wanting to know about consumer behavior. So this is it sounds like it's really empowering that you're able to bring that 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 power to the consumer and to
1: the individual. That's exactly right. And, you know, one of the, there's this notion of consumer demand being what drives the entire economy and the entire world, and it's the most powerful force, consumer demand. But if you look at who controls that today, we don't control it. If you say, what is consumer demand? Well, you have to go, you go to the gap, and you find some statistician at the gap, and that person decides what you want. And that person's making, oh, well, we think this guy wants, you know, stretchy Lycra spandex, and then this guy you know, they're they're deciding what, and I'm like, no, that's not what I want. I care about climate action or I care about something else, but I don't get a a good way to say that. And if I put it on Twitter, the financial analyst doesn't see it. If I put it on Yelp, they don't see it. Uh, If I talk to the store manager, that message is still not getting through because we have to speak the language of financial data if we're going to actually get our hands on the levers that control business decision-making.
0: Amazing. So sh- please share more about what, what you've built so far and, and some of the stories around how you've been able to, to influence businesses.
1: Yeah, so up until now, we've sort of been in this beta period where the thing is, uh, you know, partially launched and we're sort of been getting ready for a big sort of bigger launch. So, so far where we've been, we've kind of had version one of this product, which we've been able to do some experiments as we get ready to launch version two. So with version one, we've put this out there. We've got some people using it. And we had a great few success stories of how people used it. The first one that happened was we had a user here in San Francisco who is vegan. And she went to there's a small chain of Mexican restaurants here called the Little Chihuahua. And she went to the Little Chihuahua, spent money and said, you know what? In Money Voice, she wrote, please put a vegan entree on your menu. I don't, I'm tired of asking for all these substitutions if I want something vegan. And some other users saw that, agreed with it, and voted for her. And then I was able to go to the owner of this restaurant chain and say, hey, did you know we've got a, customer who, a verified customer who asked you for this? Here's the number of customers who voted for this. Here's how much money they spent. So you can see they've been here more than once. They're good customers. Will you do it? And the guy said yes, and so then he they have a you know a plantain black bean burrito on the menu at this place. And when we got back and sent a response to all these vegan users, they were very excited. There was a whole spike in signups from the vegans, and and it was great. Uh, and then we had another example where there's a another user of ours was at a restaurant called West of Pecos, uh, and they have a bar there. And she, she, her feedback was, please ban plastic straws. I don't want a plastic straw in my margarita. And again, we provided the owner of that business who had actually thought about this in the past. He'd consider, he knew what was going on. He knew that this was an important issue around plastic waste that we're facing. But he was worried that if he got rid of plastic straws, his customers would revolt. And he didn't have data to, to sh- know what would really happen. And so he was hesitant to do it. But when he saw this and we gave him real data that real customers had voted for this, he felt more confident doing it. And so he banned plastic straws at this business. And again, people went nuts. We actually had a, uh, an event at his business where a bunch of environmentalists came together. We had a panel discussion to talk about the potential of something like this to scale all kinds of environmental action.
0: Amazing. So they're they're not just stories of of businesses having to invest in more work, but they can actually be saving money and making more money through this feedback also. So it's not it it sounds like it's not just going above and beyond, but they can be small steps to really make an impact.
1: Yeah. One of the most important touchstones for me in building this is the idea that this should be a win-win model. And that was important with my previous work with Carrot Mob. Win-win is critical here. We've got something for a user that's going to make you feel more powerful. There's more power because money is power and you get to express your actual spending. There's more power because there's power in numbers and you get to team up with other people. And you're able to get what you want as, as a user. And I, for a lot of people, I hope that's you know environmental action and stuff like that. But for businesses, they're able to use the same product. You know, if you if we're using change.org they're just getting beat up on all the time. They're on the defensive. They're like, we're actually not getting value out of responding to the angry tweets and this stuff. Like, we don't know how to make more money with this. But with Money Voice comes along, it's the same feedback and the same opinion, but it's actually presented to them as an opportunity. Uh, and they're learning information they didn't have before, and they're actually able to take action, which they know is going to drive sales and loyalty, which is why the fact that it's win-win is... is absolutely critical to the success that I think we can have. Amazing.
0: And uh, tell me about your team, because this has been something that you've developed internationally also, right?
1: Yes. So we have uh, my co-founder's name is Michael, and he is French. Although we met in San Francisco, he's built out a whole team in France as well of engineers. And so, yeah, and where we're at now is we we've kind of gotten to the point where we've done enough experiments that uh, we know how we're going to grow this thing, but now we need the capital to do that. And so what we're doing is raising a million dollars. And the way that we want to do that is from the crowd. And it's now legal uh, in the last couple of years to do this sort of equity crowdfunding where people can do something. It's sort of like Kickstarter in the sense that anyone can participate and you could do a small, you know, $100 small amounts, but you're not donating, you're getting uh, shares in the company and you're actually becoming an owner. And so we're launching a campaign to raise a million dollars that way so that we can actually completely launched us. Right now, we haven't yet launched our product for businesses. And so we're super excited to to have the resources to be able to do that.
0: Amazing. And this really brings us into into the future, because for, for the longest time, investing in startups and private companies has been limited to accredited investors, where you have to have at least a million dollars or make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, and now with these new laws, you're able to really start to democratize that process and let anyone invest in it and with these digital platforms that that you can use you can see all of that data and be able to do it remotely also so what has that process been like and and how do you see that progressing in the future
1: i'm just so excited about it you know it's part of it is a is a is a justice issue I and mean, when you think about how much wealth has been created in the last 80 something years when it was illegal for normal people to participate in this sort of financial upside. It's just uh, this really this this the fact that this is now legal uh, for anyone to participate, it really helps with inequality. And, you know, some businesses, I hope that we become an enormous business, you know, that can provide a massive financial return. We don't know if that's going to happen, but if we can do that. It's so beautiful to me the idea that there could be not just a, a handful of millionaires who are benefiting from this but you know a th- thousands of of normal normal people
0: and so, uh, so what what is that what is that like because most people are are familiar with a, a Kickstarter or a, a GoFundMe. How, how how is this different yes
1: yeah, so what's different is unlike Kickstarter you're not donating and you're not buying a product you're becoming a, an investor and an owner so the way that it works though it's similar. You go to the one page and it looks like a Kickstarter page and there's a video and you can read everything. And then you just click the invest button and you can do... Uh, as low as a hundred dollars the average amount that people invest on WeFunder is a thousand and you can do up to you know over a hundred thousand if you want and when you do that uh, the money goes into an escrow account to see if our funding is successful Now most companies on WeFunder set a minimum threshold of fifty thousand dollars at which point once you get fifty thousand dollars raised, everyone's money, you know, the, the thing is officially happening. But with us, we know that that's not enough for us to execute. What we're doing is hard. We have to build a real legitimate team here to do it. So we've set a million dollar minimum. So your your money would go into a escrow account. If we get a million dollars in the bank by the end of the month, then we're gonna be off to the races. If we don't, well then I'm gonna shed a few tears for the world who's not gonna <laughs> get money voice as quickly as they need it. But um if we don't hit that threshold then everyone gets their money refunded.
0: So it complete it completely changes the risk dynamic for the investor by doing this type of crowdfunding campaign also.
1: Yeah, there's safety in numbers. The way that we've set ours up is that you don't if you put in you know, a thousand dollars. you're not going to be the last person in and then three days later we go out of business. you know <laughs> like you know that if we take your money, you're guaranteed that we're gonna have a million dollars in the bank to be able to execute
0: it's it's such an incredible model, uh, very exciting. and I think such a great picture of what the future of social entrepreneurship really looks like and ha- how. The, the change from our traditional venture capital system of these small number of gatekeepers that are, are pretty homogenous also to be able to go uh, really and spread around the world to this type of
1: activism, I think, is, is really thrilling. That is so spot on. And it's what we're doing when I'm talking to a traditional venture capitalist about money voice. I'm speaking in language saying, oh, this is a customer feedback solution. I'm talking about the CMOs are looking for this, the customer engagement, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about business, business, numbers, numbers. But a lot of those people also need to understand why are people going to go crazy for this? Why do people, and if they're not environmentalists, if they're not people who vote with their money, if they're not out there sort of the way that I'm out there talking to trying to make an impact on the world, then they might not get what we're doing. And so if the gatekeepers, don't see the value in an activist tool like this, then they're not going to fund it. And in that, in that world, uh, you need to have the ability of people who do see that value to be able to say, we're going to green light this. We're going to give you a million dollars. Uh, and so that's why this is so special and, and powerful for removing the gatekeepers for companies like ours, but any company that is serving a need that may not be visible to your traditional venture capitalists.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think it also really changes the future of the relationship of individuals and large companies. Uh, We just saw just a couple of days ago, the shareholders uh, of one of the largest oil companies now are, are making them report on plastic pollution in the ocean. And I think that that's a really exciting example, but at the same time, it's a major public company. You have to own a share of that company. What is your vision of the future of this capital market system where it's not just owners of the companies, but actual customers that are able to, to share that that data and share that information of what they want done as far as corporate social responsibility?
1: Yeah, you know, it's we live in a world where capitalism is our system and we have this expectation, like according to the definition of capitalism, it's, you know, consumers demand things and the capitalism delivers what the people want. And yet we have this world where that doesn't feel true. And people look at the world that we've gotten, and there's a lot of frustration, and there's a lot of, yeah, okay, I guess I got a purple iPhone because I wanted a purple iPhone, but I don't have clean air or clean water or these other things. And so I see a problem that's a data problem and an information problem that's leading to these outcomes. And when you've got money voice and systems like this where ordinary people can actually express what they want and what they care about efficiently that takes the guesswork out of it and it reveals to a business that maybe they previously let's say that there's a company like the home depot who is trying to decide how much their customers care about climate action they're going to guess and they really don't know and it's just it's not that there's not an opportunity for them to make money off of people who care about climate change it's that they can't see that opportunity so when people vote in money voice suddenly that opportunity is clear and they can see it, which means they're more likely to respond. So in that sense, what we've got here is the ability to to for Money Voice to act as sort of a megaphone for the collective intelligence so that the system is just more responsive. And when we have things that we need, that becomes easily visible within financial markets. And the Opportunities to deliver those things become more actionable, and you get a—you know—my vision for the future here is that the whole system of capitalism becomes much more responsive uh, to human values because those human values are now going to be baked in to the data that drives financial decision making.
0: Amazing. So well, boiling that down to, to Money Voice and the, the product and the company that you're building, how do you see that that start to manifest and where do you see the company growing in the next couple of years uh, along those lines?
1: Yeah, well, the first step for us is we're going to raise this money to be able to launch our business product. And we want to just start getting there to be a feedback loop where our users go, they vote for something and then they, they get a response. You know, a month later, Starbucks responds to them or Amazon responds to them. And over time, what I want to deliver to our users is the feeling that every single time they buy something, they can have an impact and they have power that's implicit in that purchase that they can express And not only that, like today, you can quote vote with your money and you can go, you know, spend an extra dollar on the eco detergent or whatever. But you actually don't feel that powerful. You don't feel like you're being heard. You don't get any positive feedback. And we want to deliver an experience where you make a purchase, you express your values and you hear back from a business or you see an impact or you see that you're not alone. And that, I think, can just be such an important experience for making people live their values even more and understand even more the connections between the uh things that they're they care about and the ways that they spend their money and so i think it's going to change businesses i also think it's going to change our own identity and the way that we make decisions uh when we're when we're buying things and so that's the hope that we can deliver that sort of experience and and i think another part of it is there's a deep sense of powerlessness in the world right now. And people feel a lack of agency and they feel like so many components of our traditional democracy are corrupted and maybe they can vote, but they don't only get to do that once a year. And I hope they're in a swing state and there's electoral college and there's all these things. And so I think that there's important reasons for civic health that people can have an experience of saying, oh, well, here's an app, I can vote in this app and at least I see some results. And even if the government's not working as effectively as I want, I can change businesses and we can solve problems like climate change, which require changing businesses. And we can solve human rights issues that require changing businesses and health issues that require changing businesses and sort of do these things and make progress without waiting for Congress to do something.
0: Amazing. And is this something that people here in Hawaii can do also? Is this something that that can be done around the world or is it only in in California right now?
1: Yes, it's uh, totally available in Hawaii. Uh, anyone in Hawaii can go to moneyvoice.com to try our app. Again, it's the private beta app, so it'll get a lot better later. And anyone in Hawaii can invest in the company as well. Uh, at our, our website for that is wefunder.com slash moneyvoice. And yeah, so that's something that's it's only available for the app is only available to use in the United States right now. Uh, but over time, we hope to go global and anyone in the world is able to invest right now.
0: Amazing and uh, and for full disclosure, I personally am an investor because this is really something that I believe in uh, and hope that we can start to align our markets with social and environmental impact. Um, and of course, this is not uh, investment advice uh, or uh, an endorsement, but it, just a really an incredible case study of of activism uh, through our market system uh, and such an amazing academic uh, really exploration of what can be done through social entrepreneurship to really make a big, big impact. So Brent, thank you so much for talking with me today uh, and and really sharing your vision for the future. We, we really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. I'd love to have everyone join our movement. And Ari, thanks for having the conversation. All right. Talk to you soon.
0: And thanks, everyone, for listening.
1: See you next week. Aloha. <laughs>